The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Great pod, kid. That was one in a million. Remember, the Dark Times will be with you, always. Welcome back to the Dark Times podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite Al- Alderanian survivor. And I'm Steven, your your favorite uh, failed audio engineer. <laughs> Steven, some, you want to uh, explain to the audience why we're starting an hour late on our recording? Yeah, we had about almost exactly 60, like 70 minutes of, of just audio failure meltdown. I'm less educated than Sam in the ways of digital audio, and um, I have a pretty unique home setup. And what we want to do um, is not presently uh, possible with my current configuration. So we spent the whole time just really just dicking with it. Um, but we're back now and I'm hungry and a little angry, but uh, we'll, 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 we'll get through it. Never podcast hungry, Steven. Come on. No, it's okay. I got a snacky. Uh, we got an email, a big email. One, one big email from Stephanie. Champion corn 2.0. Champion corn <laughs> 2.0. As she has appointed herself. Much like the corn of yore, uh, Stephanie has sent us a big email full of questions that we decided to go ahead and just make a full app on because that, that seems to be the easiest way to address an email quite like this. And uh, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, that works. So, yeah, Sam, instead of reading this whole email, I think this email will kind of serve as a template for the episode that, that we'll just answer as we go down it. How's that sound? Yeah, that's fine. Oh, but that's right. First, uh, we wanted to talk about Zero Distance a little bit more because... Yeah, we just had another session last night. Yeah, and it went really well. I, I had a fantastic time. There's a few things that I did behind the GM screen that I wanted to talk about because they, they reminded me of, of kind of what we talk about in the show, and I was just proud of them. I don't know. Is that is that too masturbatory, you think? This show is a vanity project through and through, Stephen. Feel free to be as vain as you'd like. Oh, of course. Thank you. Let me just get my... my this my... is a very meaty and veiny episode. Oh, Thank you. Thank you, Sam. I'm sure. I'm sure Stephanie will appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so last session, you guys had this big encounter where you're guiding Cham Sindula uh, through the war-torn streets of Lesu, the capital city of Ryloth. You guys had a big T4B heavy tank that was part of your mission, and mission success was defined as getting Cham to this Imperial shuttle that was parked nearby, stealing it, and getting off-world safely. Now, I made this encounter like almost a year ago, and it was really fun to run because it was fucking huge. There was like three ATSTs, like five stormtrooper squads. Um, you guys had jet some troopers, jet troopers. You guys had some allied backup as well. The environment I was trying to run is like fully destructible. The tank was plowing through cover. There was a bridge that collapsed. It was very, very fun. I realized like the night before the session, we didn't. Like, I didn't put any skill challenges in the encounter. And we know, we know the encounter building checklist, don't we, Sam? Yeah. So I was like, I got to f- find out a way to put some skill rolls in here. We got to have a skill challenge. I decided the night before the session that the shuttle you guys were to steal had been intentionally sabotaged. And so we did a really fun, brief little skill challenge where you guys were desperately trying to repair this Lambda class shuttle under threat of approaching AT-ATs. Nice. And that went really well. It did. I, I had a good time. <laughs> so 
some great role play opportunities out of it. Uh, one of your commanding officer <laughs> told you that getting the ship off the ground was an order when you when you bungled the first <laughs> mechanics check to, to fix the ship. And then I also had another last minute decision. This one during the session, I was about to tell you guys that a Lambda class shuttle comes stocked with two months of consumables when that same player character I mentioned earlier said, wait, the only rations we have, because you just found out you're going to be in hyperspace for five days as you made your escape. I was about to say you guys had two months of food on you, but then a player said, wait, the only food we have is in our field kits and utility belts, right? And I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's Sabotage correct. Shuttle, of course. <laughs> yeah, you you only you only have the consumables are missing from this craft. You only have the food rations that are on you. Of course, it was an exciting opportunity because I, I love putting players in, in situations of like food and water scarcity. But but they're there. It's hard to sometimes, especially naturally. Especially when GMs like to hand wave that stuff, you know? Exactly. And it's so easy to hand wave. Hell, I hand wave it all the time. I was literally, I had my mouth open about to hand wave it when a player said something. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, no. Yeah, no, you guys don't have shit for food. You guys, you gotta, you gotta figure it out. (laughs) You had enough food for, you had 50 rations, right? So like five people over 10 days or no, well, hold on. I don't remember the math off the top of my head, but it, it turns out we didn't have enough. <laughs> you didn't have enough. Uh, some people are going without food. Yeah. Like everyone had to go one day without food, but two people had to go two days without food. Yeah. So not we'll, in a row. Not consecutively, obviously. But. No. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make those endurance checks next week. But th- those were just two points where I was proud of my ability to improvise on the spot because I, I feel like that needs work always, no matter who you are. Um, and it just reminded me of the shit we talk about on the show. So that's, that, that's why I wanted to, to re- recollect those. Well, I'm glad Steven. It was also great. We had, uh, moments where we used, uh, rank orders and special and like a, what are they called? Um, special orders as yeah, well. You guys used your special orders from the galaxy at war, like subsystem. And then your, your, your rank benefits, I think they're called. That's uh, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, used rank benefits to spam a bunch of move actions to get, uh, your allies <laughs> out of a hairy situation, a collapsing bridge mostly. And then those jet troopers were being a nuisance, not really a threat, definitely more of kind of like a wasp in your face level of threat to, uh, to, yeah. to party Rodian. But then, um, your, your commanding officer called in that airstrike on in their asses. And that, that was just incredible. It's a lot of damage. Airstrikes are crazy, man. <laughs> and we, we talked about that. There isn't actually any specific ruling on what kind of action a special order. That's is. right. I want to talk about on the show too, because yeah, it's not clear at all what a special order or like rank benefit costs in, in the action economy. Since they're so powerful, I just counted them as a standard action and it, it worked out just fine. But I, I can only, are they not meant to have an associated action? Can anyone out there answer that at all? I mean, a standard action seems fair for a, a full-on airstrike. Yeah, yeah it's like fair. a plus 15 attack. What was that, like 5d10 or something along those lines? 5d6 times, times, times 5 or something? A four-square splash every 1d2 turns? Yeah. For 10 rounds? Insane. Or 1d10, fuck, 1d2 <laughs> rounds for 10 rounds. Wait, never mind. One, one, every 1d2 rounds 10 times? Is that what it is? It was every 1d2 rounds for 10 rounds. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that's that's what I was trying and failing to say. 
But yeah, great stuff in Galaxy at War. If you want to really, really, they aren't kidding about that. That galaxy sure do be at war in the Galaxy at War <laughs> source book. They, they ain't kidding. Military style campaigns really. We were just playing Empire at War. We were like playing. We were just wargaming, really. And it was awesome. It was the, the logical step for Swissy. Seriously. The wargaming stand. It, it is. And I mean, fuck, everyone had a good time. So what's up with uh, Stephanie's email? Let's get into Steph's email here. So it starts out. So weapon upgrades, what's with them? The 12-year-old character I've built is at level 3 right now and a mechanical genius and aspiring pilot. She has the tech specialist feat and a skill focus of mechanics right now, plus 13 with the mechanical interface visor. I want to start upgrading weapons, armors, equipment, etc. for me and the rest of the party, but it's so hard to find all the info I need in one place. Well, Steph, great question. You know, what's up with them? What can be upgraded? What can't be upgraded? We're here to answer. What's up with them? Indeed. Weapon upgrades live under the beautiful umbrella of equipment upgrades. Uh, This is scum and villainy's veritable world of tweaks and customizations. Anything and everything that counts as equipment can be upgraded. That includes data pads, comlinks, ration packs, weapons, armor, credit chips. Really, anything is equipment. I mean, there's many more things that are equipment that aren't equipment, if you catch my drift. Um, Scum and Villainy weapon mods are not the same as tech specialist upgrades, but they're fully compatible with them and, and can be played alongside them quite easily. All equipment has one upgrade slot unless specified, and gaining an upgrade slot is easy, but can vary on the equipment. I actually found this interesting, Sam. I, I don't think I'd read this section before, probably because I didn't have much reason to. You can strip equipment, like a data pad or, or just like a, a comlink or something. Yeah, you like make it bigger or something like that. You can do that. With weapons and armor, but with stripping equipment, it's it's so just a GM fiat beep beep moment. Let's <laughs> let's read it from the book here because it's it's just interesting how much leeway they give you here. They really just tell you to figure it out. Stripping must reduce the capacity or utility of the equipment in a significant way. If it looks like stripping a piece of equipment won't downgrade a game mechanical aspect of its function, it you also can't gain an upgrade slot. Each element that is stripped adds one upgrade slot to that piece of equipment. Upgrade slots can never be used to install enhancements to an area that has been stripped. If you strip the damage dice of a weapon, you can't use any of its upgrade slots to gain a modification that improves damage. Stripping a piece of equipment to add one upgrade slot takes 8 hours of work, requires a DC-20 mechanics check, and has a cost equal to 50% of the base cost of the item being stripped. On a failed check, the stripping goes badly. The item ceases to work until fixed, and it doesn't gain the additional upgrade slot. It takes one additional hour of work and the same cost before another DC-20 mechanics check can be made to fix the problem. Once a successful check is made, the equipment returns to functioning and the upgrade slot is gained. It is very much like, do whatever you want, as long as it works. <laughs> yeah, it says, it says do, do something, do anything, strip something out. As long as it removes some sort of game mechanical function of the equipment, which is interesting, I, I think. I mean, I, I can not think of many situations where I would need that. Is this one of those things where you would ask the player what they want to remove from the equipment? Because I mean, rather than giving them options, just be like, hey, how are you going to strip this item? Yes, this paragraph absolutely reads as the game giving GMs and players free will to work it out between them what you can strip and what you can upgrade a a generic piece of equipment for, which is a good approach. There's a lot of equipment in saga edition and you couldn't hope to write a uniform set of rules that could cover every possible instance. So luckily, Sam, as you know, once we move on to armor and weapons, stripping gets a lot more specific. 
you can strip a weapon in one of five ways. You can reduce the damage die by a single step. The number of dice does not change, just their size. So that's D10s to D8s, D8s to D6s. Etc. and so on. Ad, finite, ad infinitum. It does, it does go to D4s, do go to D3s, by the way, which I always find <laughs> hilarious. And then it says D3s to D2s, but I don't think there's a weapon in Swissy that has a D3 damage die base. Doesn't, doesn't unarmed? No, that's wrong. But then you can't strip an unarmed attack. My bones. Lose your knuckle skin. <laughs> you lose your knuckles. You can strip a ranged weapon's range by one step. So a heavy weapon's range becomes a rifle's range. A rifle's range becomes a pistol's range and so on and so forth. A pistol becomes a simple weapon ranged. And then actually simple weapons to throne. And you can strip a throne weapon to have melee weapon range. That is very interesting. I never considered that, but cool. It's weird that that's how they wrote it. Very weird that that's how they wrote it. That's just adjacent, right? Like melee weapons cannot have their range stripped also naturally. I mean, you can't strip the range off a sword. Come on. One of the more interesting options that I like and also seldom see, you can strip the design of a weapon, Sam, which turns it automatically into an exotic weapon, which is kind of interesting. I like your character now has their own shit that is so customized. You can't. It's 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 others are considered inproficient with it, unproficient, not proficient even. And then for the final two, you can strip out a stun setting, which is great. Who who needs a fucking stun setting? Come on, do you? No, come on, we're just, no, we're, no, we're killing. I've already got my stunning good looks, Steven. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you can strip out auto fire as well, which you know could be useful if you don't find yourself needing to use auto fire really at all. Can you strip out single shot or no? No. No, you can only it only specifies uh, weapons with both a single shot and auto fire setting can be stripped to just having a single shot fire mode. Okay, Sam, what about stripping armor? Oh, Steven, as the as someone who's played a armor heavy build for many, many, many days, armor, you know, depending on the armor has one to three upgrade slots available as stock gear. You can add more by making it thicker and bulkier, increasing the equipment size, you know, same thing. Or by stripping either of the two components, either the material is changed, which uh, lowers the reflex defense and equipment bonus to fortitude defense by one point to a minimum plus zero for the fortitude defense. And then joint protection. You can make it so, I believe, increases the max dex bonus by one uh, and doubles the weight. So is that adding more joint protection or is that removing joint protection? That's removing. It's flavored in the text as that the the joint protection is usually like lightweight, more expensive, flexible materials. And what you're doing is removing those and replacing them with cheaper, thicker, bulkier materials. Oh, okay. And that's why it's less dexterous and heavier. So there's one more option for gaining upgrade slots on all types of equipment that I actually meant to mention earlier, but forgot. Uh, you can increase the size of the equipment. So say you wanted to increase the size of your data pad from, what is that, diminutive to tiny? Tiny or something like that, yeah. Big fucking data pad. <laughs> More room <laughs> for iPad Pro. It's an iPad Pro. Uh, you can change a medium blaster rifle to a large blaster rifle. Big, chunkier gun. More room for upgrades. Uh, you can only do it once. Yes. You can only do it once on a piece of equipment. Oh, wow. I didn't know this. You can do it on armor, too. Yeah. 
but it doesn't change the armor's size, but it makes light armor into medium armor and medium armor into heavy armor, and you can't use it with heavy armor. That's so neat. I had no idea. Huh. Very, very cool. Yeah, it's great if you're if you're a soldier and you're already proficient in medium armor anyway. Your parents ever sit you down and give you the equipment size versus weapon size talk? This is this is an important part of 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 this of the subsystem. Is it the the thing where my weapon size is is comparative to the size of the creature, not to the size of the actual item? Yes. So there's there's kind of three three things going on here. Three different types of things we talk about when we talk about equipment size and weapon size. So unless otherwise noted, a piece of general equipment is size, like its size, whether it's tiny, small, medium, is determined by its listed weight. And Scum and Villainy has this lovely little chart where you can compare an item's weight and get a size. It's, it's very nice. If there's no size or weight listed, it's diminutive, period. About the same size as a blaster pistol or a med pack. Wait, Sam, did I just say diminutive blaster pistol? I thought blaster pistols were small. They are. They are. That's their weapon size. A blaster pistol has a weapon size of small because that's how bulky it is compared relative to other weapons. A listed weapon size is meant to give you a quick idea of how big a character must be to use them in one hand. Weapons are actually the size of a creature two categories sizes smaller. So a blaster pistol is a small weapon and diminutive equipment. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So for like real world weight and dimensions and concealment, it's diminutive. But as far as determining how big you have to be to wield it in one hand, it's small. Armor is the same size as the creature it was designed to protect. So armor built for an Ewok is small. Stormtrooper armor built for a human is medium. That's that's about it. That's about all there is to that one. But yeah, the weapon equipment size versus weapon size is is a real head scratcher. I see people get caught up on that one all the time. Sometimes I still do. All right, Steven, you, we've talked enough about stripping, whether it be armor, weapons or items or otherwise. What, why? Why would I even do that? What the fuck's the point? Because upgrades are fucking cool, Sam. All right. I wanted to bring up a personal favorite miniaturized. It's a universal upgrade, which means it can be applied to any sort of equipment, be it weapon or otherwise. Costs 500 creds, only one upgrade point cost, it's common, and equipment with the miniaturized upgrade weighs half as much, is one size smaller. And if you pull that on a melee weapon, it has its damage dice reduced by a single step. It's not bad. I once had a player that was really keen on dual wielding a lightsaber and a Wookiee bowcaster. Um... It's about as bad as it sounds, but <laughs> this is only possible with a miniaturized Wookiee bowcaster, which I thought was a pretty cool, pretty cool setup. And it didn't reduce the damage dice at all or anything. No, because it wasn't a melee weapon. There's also remote activation, which is kind of a really, really cool one with lots of potential. Mando has that on his jetpack. Oh, yeah, you're right. I think I think Baby Yoda explicitly sent us an email about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Gosh, this is another universal upgrade. It only costs 100 credits. And this is one of those that actually costs zero upgrade point cost. That's a goose egg. So all that stripping and shit we were talking about earlier, you don't even need to go there. You don't even need to do that. This upgrade allows a piece of equipment to be activated from a signal from a comlink or similar communications device. Although typically associated with explosives or security systems, remote activation can be used to set a droid to activate, a fusion lantern to flare to life, a computer to start running a program, or a hollow projector to begin a recorded hollow projection. Activating a remote is a swift 
action, which includes entering a special command code, allowing a single comlink to activate multiple pieces of remote activation gear, one swift action per item activated. And the range of this is the range of the comlink that you're using to activate it with. Very, very simple, very straightforward. Okay. What about weapon upgrades, Steven? You know, I'm glad you asked because I wanted to highlight retractable stock. Little, a little bit of the star of the show. You know, it's, this one can get a little complicated, but it's worth it. Sam, say you have a beloved blaster rifle. You can't make attacks of opportunity because it's a rifle. What can we fucking do about it? We can install the retractable stock. 100 credits. It's common. The upgrade point cost is zero or one, and you're about to hear why. Any rifle or pistol, as well as rifle or pistol-like exotic ranged weapons, can have a retractable stock added. This upgrade requires one upgrade slot for a pistol, but zero upgrade slots for a rifle. Extending or folding a retractable stock is a move action. When the retractable stock is folded, the following rules apply. Treat the weapon as a pistol for the purposes of proficiency and range. Wait, really? Just treat a rifle as a pistol for proficiency and range. That's insane. Your noble can now use rifles. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. I did not know that. Does your noble, has your noble been eyeballing that heavy assault blaster rifle and been, oh, but I only have pistol proficiency. I'll never be cool as you, soldier. <laughs> Hundred credits is all it takes. And if you got the wealth talent, <laughs> it's an easy, easy hundred credits. Exactly. You cannot brace the weapon uh, while the stock is folded using an auto fire mode, even if it's an auto fire only weapon. When the retractable stock is extended, the following rules apply. Treat the weapon as a rifle for the purposes of proficiency and range. You take a minus five penalty on attack rolls with the weapon if you use it in one hand, regardless of the size relative to you. What would be the point of adding a retractable stock to a pistol? I can think of a few options. If you need the range and if you need the proficiency, maybe you've got some very rifle specific options that you're looking to bust out. A pistol with a retractable stock is way easier to conceal than a rifle. That's fair, too. I was thinking of the droid that programs away the pistol proficiency for something (laughs) better than that. Oh, God. Yeah, that certainly can work. (laughs) Well, alrighty. Oh, uh, Sam, do you have any armor upgrades you wanted to tell us about? Well, there's the vacuum seals. I think those are zero upgrade points for medium armor. I might be wrong, though. No, that's correct. The The standard vacuum seals are zero upgrade points. The improved upgrade seals are when you need an upgrade point for. Ah, the standard vacuum seals have 10 hours of life support. And whereas the improved vacuum seals can only be used on he- medium or heavy armor, have one upgrade point cost and uh, can have 24 hours of life support. Uh, another personal favorite of mine is the gyro. I feel like we just did an armor upgrade episode, didn't we? We did. We did. And Sam, I think it's pronounced Euro. Yeah, the Euro, the Greek Euro upgrade. It's like a. (laughs) I just had Greek food and I want more Greek food. When you dual gear your armor with the uh, survival goo maker, we've talked about this. Oh, that's right. That's right. (laughs) No, the, the, the gyro upgrade gives you a plus five to your fortitude defense against being knocked prone, which I think is pretty cool. Did you say plus four? Plus five. Oh, plus five. I was like, if it's plus four, that's like, there's like nothing in the system that's a plus four <laughs> upgrade. That'd be weird. Uh, I think the to, to round out this little discussion, I think it's important to point out, since I, I see it asked a lot, weapon or equipment upgrades in general are like seldom a strict upgrade in all possible aspects. 
Most of them are here to augment or just simply improve the existing functionality of an item. A lot of people's instinct is to go like D&D Pathfinder style where, oh, I need my weapon runes, my plus one striking rune to get, and my silver weapon rune. No, there's no plus one silver great sort of striking in Swissy. These weapon upgrades are here to just simply change what you do or give you a little more functionality. The weapon, the game's balance does not look for you to get these upgrades to get the beefiest weapon possible. All that to say, you can go level one through 20 with just a blaster rifle and it'll be fine. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. These upgrades are fully optional, just meant to give you something to chew on and tweak. Thank you so much for listening to the Dark Times podcast from the bottom of our hearts. Seriously, no, I, I love this hobby. I love the Republic. Um, I love democracy. <laughs> <laughs> so this is how podcasts thrive on the on the support of patrons. <laughs> <laughs> OK, yeah, way, way to go. Way to go. Sam. <laughs> yes, Um we, we love each and every one of our listeners. Uh, our patrons give us money every month to keep the show on the air. Hosting a podcast is not free, and the excess goes into making this worth our while. We are two regular schmucks with two regular jobs. Uh, we can barely manage to squeeze this podcast in with our, you know, ever-shrinking free time, but we love doing it because you guys love it. We hear from you guys all the time how much you love the podcast. And that really, really, really helps us out. This, this show takes many Sam hours and many Steven hours and the patrons have helped give Steven a better audio setup and have helped us, uh, just, you know, compensate ourselves for the time it takes. I think an average episode of the dark times probably takes maybe six to 10 hours a week to make. That sounds about right. Absolutely. Uh, and it's no joke. Being on the Patreon gets you a few other gifts. There's a exclusive hex crawl guide for the patrons on there. That is it's no longer exclusive, actually, Stephen. Oh, shit. Really? Oh, yeah. Is it September? <laughs> yeah, it's September, buddy. Oh, yeah, that's right. The The <laughs> limited exclusivity of that of the hex crawl guide is up. I guess anyone could go on the Patreon now and see it. I might put it on the subreddit. But yeah, it's a it's a guide that has everything you need. I've, I've published this on the subreddit before, but it's a guide that has everything you need to run a Swissy adventure in like the wilderness or deep space, any sort of environment where exploration should be a big theme. This has what you're looking for. The Patreon version has beautifully formatted text and art inspired by the original formatting of the Swissy core rulebook. And it looks quite sharp. Patrons also get to vote in our next bounty ace pilots. Oh, yep. Not to mention if you're on the $5 tier of our Patreon for three months, you get a exclusive sticker shipped straight to your door for free. You also get a T-shirt and sticker if you're in the $10 tier for three months as well. This is our way of showing uh, our thanks to you, the dear patrons, for supporting the show. The T-shirt for sure. The sticker might take a little bit longer because we're still working on that for Patreon. There's still a Patreon's end bug that we're that we're fighting, that we're working with. Do not worry. We will ensure that you, our dear $10 tier patrons, will get your sticker and your shirt. Also, all patrons get access to... The Dark Times module that we're working on. Currently, it's just the uh, character handouts. We have one for each class. Uh, they are super nice. Steven and I worked really hard on getting those to look. They remind me of Dungeons 5th Edition Dungeons and Dragons has very similar like one page handout guides that kind of teach you how the character works, how the system plays, stuff like that. And they're honestly super nice. And I'm sure if you wanted, you could use those for your players at home of anyone who's new to Swissy. Oh, easily. The goal eventually 
is to get those to work on our Dark Times module that we're still working on. I've got some maps I'm working on for those, too. It's just, you know, Stephen and I are busy. <laughs> we're busy, boys. Pretty much all of our free time goes in the pod, so it's it's difficult to do a module on top of the pod. But uh, it'll it'll happen. It'll get there. Slowly but surely. And hey, you know, times are tight. Money's tight. I'm strapped for cash. Sam's strapped for cash. If you do not have the means to contribute to our Patreon but still want to support the show, word of mouth is the more valuable than gold, of course. Whenever we see someone recommending the show, be it like in a Reddit thread or on Discord, that just makes our day. And uh, sincerely, thank you for doing that. You can also write a review of the pod or leave us a five-star review on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you send in a screenshot of you doing that or something or other, uh, we'll shout you out right here in the in the little middle break. Yeah, email that and any other things you want to talk about on the show to darktimesswse at gmail.com. 100%. This is a community platform for you guys. It is your pod. Anything you want us to talk about on the show, anything you want to see featured on the show, email it in and we'll do it. Let's get you back in the action. <laughs> That's the sound of the action that pretty, we're getting pretty, back to. Pretty good. Pretty action packed. <laughs> Sam, uh, there's quite a bit more to Steph's email here that I want to get into. So we thinking we won't do a build this week, but we'll still plug the build showcase at the end just to give a little update on that. We've already got a few entries, but we'll, we'll talk about that more later. Absolutely. I'd rather this whole like weapon upgrades and equipment upgrades thing be one concise episode rather than spread out over like three <laughs> for Steph's sake. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we just talked about stripping for like 20 minutes. So <laughs> there's, there's definitely more meatier things to get into here. Uh, Steph asks, do upgrades require licensing to complete if they have restrictions or is it up to the user of the item to gain the license? Do doing upgrades yourselves circumvent the legal ways of getting restricted upgrades? Steph, uh, yes, they absolutely do. Um, upgrades have availability levels for a reason. Uh, you should follow standard licensing or black market rules for upgrades, whether your GM is using one or both of those. Building them or anything really is a great way to circumvent the authorities. Obviously, if you build something in your own garage, your own Karelian freighter, you don't need to worry about a license for that until customs officers start asking questions. And we love when custom officers start asking questions. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. Uh, Steph also asks, what's the deal with commercially bought or scratch built upgrades? Why do scratch built upgrades cost twice as much if I'm doing all the work myself? Why would I put in the work of mechanics if I could just buy them for less? Could I put scavenger found parts toward a scratch built upgrade to decrease the cost or only towards building new objects? So it's a fantastic question. You can scratch build upgrades. There's a table for this in Scum and Villainy. Very simple. Instead of actually going out and buying the upgrade prepackaged, you can just throw it together with junk that you have on hand. Why do they cost twice as much, Steph? I'll tell you why. Because you, even though you've got your nice plus 13 to mechanics, you can't compete with the economies of scale, the production methods, and the vertical integration afforded to the Galactic Megacorps selling these prepackaged weapon upgrades. It's a similar justification for a lot of the things behind the Starship designer feat. Uh, you are one person, a hero to be sure, but you are not a galaxy-spanning fully corporatized production line for mass-produced commercial products. Scratch building something yourself is just simply going to cost more material, more time uh, than relative to a, a business that does this for a living. Could you put scavenger found parts towards a scratch build upgrade? I think so, yes. The text for scavenger says you must apply these raw materials towards the cost of construction of a single object. 
Um, to me, that sounds like, yes, you could totally apply it to Scratch Built. Probably intended for the build object rules and the mechanic skill that came out with the Force Unleashed guide. That's kind of the problem when we start crossing streams with source books here, but I think it works. Check with your GM first. I think it'll be fine. Can equipment variations like the long range comlink be upgraded with a mechanics check or are those purchase only or is it not really mentioned up to Game Master? Steph, uh, yeah, there isn't really any rules that I can find for you know what this is about, right, Sam? The, there's a short yeah, range yeah, comlink, yeah, yeah. there's long range comlink, there's encrypted long range comlink. Um, there's no listed way to add those upgrades yourself. I'm sure you could hop in the GM Fiat with luxury leather seats package and expanded trunk. Beep, beep. Yes, I, I think this is fine to do as an upgrade. Talk with your game master about it. If they don't want to do it, then that's fine, too. Yeah, I think it's uh, I can't imagine why not just yeah. make it cost the difference between the two items, maybe plus 25 percent or something like that. Exactly. You know? Hit them with the DC 20 mechanics check and call it good. Like I, there's Give really your no players something to do in hyperspace, man. Just let them, let them make mechanics checks. Absolutely. I, whenever a player improvises a downtime activity, I'm so grateful because it's like, oh, thank God I didn't have to think of one. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, are there more mods than those listed in tech specialist other than the ones listed in superior tech? And are mods just build object skills and whatever my heart desires and the GM approves? Stephanie asks. This was an interesting question because I, I think Steph's asking if the tech specialist and superior tech beats give the player free lease to like improvise new upgrades with game master approval. That is almost certainly not the case. In fact, no, that, that is definitely not the case. You are absolutely limited to the ones listed by the feet. But if you have a nice idea for a custom upgrade, uh, that, that's on the GM to, to put that in. Uh, so, you know, like we say, beep, beep. GMs, it's as Steven and I have done on the show. It's great to make custom weapons or anything like that. Do that with your players if they've got an idea for something or they're like, hey, I want to upgrade my lightsaber to make it shoot plasma. <laughs> then, yeah. then you'll find a way to do it in the rules. I believe in you. And, you know, that shit's dumb. But <laughs> yeah, who would ever what do is, that? <laughs> what isn't dumb is making your players have fun because nothing makes a player feel better than when their idea gets your approval and makes it into the game. Hell yeah. It's the only kind of game where you can do shit like that. I mean, think about how many video games can you just think of something and then it is. Minecraft? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Got it. Tech specialist is just like Minecraft. There we go. Stephanie asks, within the tech specialist info, it says in addition to modifications listed, I can add upgrade slots to a device. Does that mean I can add a modification listed and an upgrade slot, or is it one or the other kind of situation? Is this a free upgrade slot, or do I have to strip the equipment or increase the size to add the upgrade slot? Those published clarifications in Scum and Villainy are very neat. There's a whole little paragraph, Sam, where they clarify how Tech Specialist interacts with the equipment upgrades in Scum and Villainy. Nice. Um, I'll read aloud the section that Steph was referencing. Weapons, armor, and vehicles are also devices, so they are eligible for all of these modifications, these modifications being the, the tech specialist ones. Droids are characters, not devices, it clarifies. Thank you, good to know. In addition to the listed modifications, it is possible to install an additional upgrade slot on any device using the tech specialist feat. This modification can be made only once. Steph, to me that reads that it's one or the other. You can choose any of the lovely tech specialist upgrades that apply or you can give it an upgrade slot for a equipment upgrade. Does that make sense? That's cool. Yeah, I didn't even know about this until today. Really, I did not. Uh, so it, it'll be like you can either give it enhanced strength or improved durability from tech specialist or an additional upgrade slot. 
I definitely don't think you need to strip the equipment to gain the upgrade slot. The price is using your tech specialist feat to grant it that upgrade slot. Yeah, that's great, because some of the t- tech specialist like device upgrades aren't that good. <laughs> no, some of them are very <laughs> circumstantial or just a little boring. Uh, so if you have a weapon upgrade that you're really excited about, um, especially if you've already done everything you can do to get upgrade slots on it, it's cool to have the party tech slam a new upgrade slot on your weapon just because just because they're that skilled. Hell yeah. The rule of cool, baby. Rule of fucking cool. That's what I meant to say earlier. Uh, Stephanie asks one last thing. I know vehicle upgrades are a whole separate beast, but can tech specialist weapon mods or regular universal upgrades work on vehicle equipment? So I, I like thought there was an official ruling for this. I couldn't find it when I was doing the research for this episode. That's how I've always ran it, that there's kind of the vehicle that can be upgraded with tech specialist stuff and equipment upgrades, device upgrades, what have you. And then there's the vehicle weapons which can be upgraded as normal weapons with tech specialist weapon upgrades and, you know, scum and villainy weapon upgrades as well. So having the the vehicle weapons and the vehicle itself count as separate upgradable entities has always worked for me. That can get out of hand pretty quick. No doubt. I just have players that love to tweak and customize their shit a lot, particularly their ships. Cause I mean, come on, that, that shit's fun as hell. Well, that makes sense though. Cause the vehicles, you can swap out weapons already, right? You get in place yeah. points. And their weapon why wouldn't the weapons have upgrade points on them? Yeah, I mean, they, they are weapons, true and true. I mean, they count as heavy weapons. They are operated as a weapon would. They have weapon ranges. You make attack rolls to use them. They're weapons. So I, I think they should qualify for weapon upgrades. But that's just me. I thought it was in the FAQ. It is not in the FAQ, though. If anyone knows more about this, though, please, please reach out. Steph, that's all for your email. If you have more questions, anyone out there, not just Steph, please reach out to us at darktimeswissy at gmail.com. We hope this was a nice little tour through weapon and equipment upgrades. We hadn't really done a dedicated episode to this particular topic yet. Like Sam mentioned, we did an armor one, but I could have sworn we covered all of these before. But looking back and with verification from Steph, we definitely had not. So very happy to cover a, a favorite corner of mine. I would have liked to feature more specific weapon upgrades and, and equipment upgrades, but yeah, we, we, we covered it a good amount of time here. And uh, please write in maybe with your favorites that we can talk about and, and different implications for those, because I mean, I feel like I, there's always something being overlooked with these. They're, they're super cool. A lot of variation and diversity with equipment upgrades. Dual gear is a whole world on its own. But yeah, we want to take a chance just to plug the Ace Pilot Bounty Build Showcase here for a second. As a reminder, they must be level 10 with at least one level in Ace Pilot. They don't have to necessarily be a Starfighter pilot. That's kind of what Sam and I have been on lately with with our own campaign. But no, this character need not be a Starfighter pilot. They can be a freighter captain, tank commander. All types of vehicle pilots are welcome, not even necessarily starships. Please do include their vehicle of choice. Uh, We meant this as more of a flavorful afterthought, but a few of you out there kind of started thinking real hard about it. If you have some interesting vehicle modifications you wanted to show off, go crazy. But do just keep in mind that it is a character build showcase and not a vehicle build showcase. Your energy and brain power is definitely better put into the character themselves, not the vehicle. That being said, if you've got a really cool combination that you'd like us to see, please, please show us. Your build is due to us September 11th, that's Sunday, at 11.59 Pacific time. No later than that, your build will not be considered if it's not in by then. We're already getting a few in the inbox right now. Just when we sat down to record, we already got one, and we got another one the other day. So 
Really looking forward to cracking into those. Please send it in no later than what I said. Sunday, September 11th, 1159 p.m. Pacific. Well, all right, uh, Sam, I think that's the show. Maybe we can go ahead and move on to trivia here. There's no other segment that we really need to worry about now. <laughs> Steven, Stevens, what's poor up? simple Steven? <laughs> you think you've escaped me? I don't know why the laugh really just set me off on a tone here. Yeah, very villainous. I kind of like it. It's time for one of my favorite segments on the show. Name that NPC, or I literally kill you. Uh, the the fans have tried to change the name of the show to name that NPC or literally die. I will not stand for this. This 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 podcast mutiny. Yeah, it's, it is it's name murder. that NPC or I will literally kill you is what it is. Those are the words. That's what it yes. is. Steven, I've got can, oh, literally quick, really quick. Let me just lay something down really quick. I love the suggestions I've been getting. I'd prefer it if they weren't exclusive to the source books. Just because it's a named character in the source book doesn't mean it's in Star Wars media. Other than that, honestly, I. I I kind of like I like them trying to crank up the difficulty and get me murdered here. I think they, they have some aspirations <laughs> to be pod hosts of their own, I, I think, is the kind of the vibe I'm getting. I will watch their careers with great interest. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm flattered that they think that I would get Blorbo from Dawn of Defiance episode <laughs> six. You know, like there is a couple supplement exclusive names I do know, but only because I, I recently became familiar with Point Nadir. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. So this one is from the the cap this podcast minds of my own design. This is a CL4 stat block affiliations the Galactic Republic and the Galactic Empire. Hmm. Human Noble 4 initiative uh sorry destiny points 1 force points 3 initiative plus 3 senses perception plus 13 languages basic bocce duris grand high galactic hutties I have a question. Sorry, Stephen. Before your question, I didn't explain how the rules work, actually. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh, the way it works is Stephen has three guesses to guess what the NPC stat block is. He has to, he gets to ask a yes or no question before a guess. And if he fails all three, I will kill him live on the air. Uh, in this point, I will use my technomancy powers to electrocute him in his seat where he sits and uh, kill him from a distance. And no one will ever know. What is your question, Stephen? Is this character portrayed by an older man in the original trilogy? Oh, no, Stephen. This character does not appear in the original trilogy. Okay, very good. Keep going. Defenses, reflex defense 16, fortitude defense 15, will defense 17, hit points 33, damage threshold 15, speed 6 squares, unarmed plus 3, blaster pistol plus 4, uh, base attack bonus of plus 3, grapple plus 4, talents... Educated and inspire haste. Feats, linguist, point blank shot, precise shot, skill focus, knowledge tactics, skill focus perception, weapon proficiency, heavy weapons, weapon proficiency, pistols, and weapon proficiency, simple weapons. Skills, deception plus nine, gather information plus nine, knowledge bureaucracy plus nine, knowledge galactic lore plus nine, knowledge tactics plus 14, perception plus 13, as I said earlier, persuasion plus nine, pilot plus eight, and use computer plus nine possessions blaster pistol code cylinder comlink short range data pad officer's uniform various personal belongings Stephen, you have two more questions yes or no clone wars campaign guy i said admiral 
Wolf Yularen? You didn't have a question? Is that the is that the answer? That is the answer, Steven. Oh, you are correct. That let's is, go. I was sure Admiral I wouldn't Wolf get Yularen. it. Yularen. Oh, that that's that's better. Is he the guy who does the the like um this, he's voiced by the same guy who does the intro for the Clone Wars TV yes, show. Yes, that yeah. was what I was going to ask. <laughs> the recaps. Yes. I was curious if that guy had a Swissy stat block, so I looked it up once, and he kind of does. Yeah, it's a, it's a CL4 stat block. It's not the best uh, Wolf Yularen stat block. Oh, man. Looks like he has. there's a there's a kernel version in, in Force Unleashed as well. Oh, yeah, because he shows up in Rebels, too. That's why. Yeah, wow. Only level six, though? That's That's... Kind of low. Well, it's higher than his admiral stat block, which doesn't That's seem fair, yeah. right. Yeah, not really sure what's going on there, but sure enough, he was admiral of the Galactic Republic. That's why, right? Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was an admiral in the. Yeah, that must have been it. <laughs> it's not a bad CL four stat block, though, Stephen. No, it's it's pretty. It's nice. It really shows off the, how power, how fun those lower levels can be. And also, I like his mustache. <laughs> yeah, it's a part of the. It's part of the noble talent tree. Yeah. Cool mustache. Nice mustache. Inspire haste gives a, uh, as a swift action. He can encourage one of his allies within the line of sight to make haste with a skill check. They can make a skill check that requires a standard action as a move action instead. That is not bad. I like that. It's not bad. And the educated talent allows him to make any knowledge check untrained, which is super cool. Very nice. Well, all right. All right, Steven, do you have any trivia for us this week? Yes, I do. And I found it really kind of funny. And, and you, you like this one. Uh, Liam Neeson's, uh, that's Qui-Gon Jinn, of course, you know, for it, it, I just, the guy copy pasted the trivia and it said Liam Neeson, Qui-Gon Jinn. And I'm like, come on, like I could ever forget. <laughs> Liam Neeson's wig went missing during an overnight thunderstorm while a crew was on location in Tunisia. The same severe storm also wrecked many of the pod racers built for the film, much to the crew's dismay. Wow, well that that's sad. Can you just imagine like a waterlogged Qui-Gon Jinn wig floating down like a, <laughs> like a street gutter? Yeah. I wonder if anyone ever found it. Right. It's it landed perfectly on top of the of the crate dragon skeleton and <laughs> <laughs> just a big old gob of hair just floating away. Um I didn't oh, know great. Liam Neeson was wearing a wig in Phantom Menace, but I guess that makes sense. I just kind of assumed that was his natural hair. Yeah, that does make sense. I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess he had like short hair, right? He probably Yeah, he usually hair. has like just a normal like a Hollywood male cut. The Hollywood male cut, yeah, that's true. Uh, all right. That's, I think that's our episode this week, huh, Steven? I think that's a wrap. Um, technical issues aside, we, we fucking survived. <laughs> no, neither sleet nor hail nor overnight thunderstorms can stop the dark times <laughs> podcast. I only cried a little bit. I only, I only <laughs> like nearly killed Sam twice. Yeah. All Steve good. went into a rage several times. It yeah. Was, it was yeah. Awful. Well, the dark times is produced and edited by me, Sam Stevens, my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at dark times, S W S E or email us dark times, S W S E at gmail.com. Get those bounties in. I'd love to see some cool pilots, ace pilots, at least one level, ace pilot level 10, email them to us. Dark times, S W S E at gmail.com. We've already got some great ones. I'm excited to show them next week for you guys. Uh, Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? Do or do not. There is no try. That's our. That's <laughs> that's how we feel about podcasting. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, either it gets done or it doesn't, right? Or alternatively, there's always a bigger fish. There's always a bigger fish. I think I've I think done that we, one I think before, we, though. You've done that one for sure. Yeah, like one of my faves.
Good night, everybody. Good night. Steven's gonna download Audition Dodobi Audition. Audacity may just be open source, but it sucks. Dun, 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 d